You are listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From August 25th, 2019 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs more than once. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the movie scenes that I just love that's forever emblazoned in my mind, you have movie scenes like that, right? It's from the Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, and I'll try to tell you about the scene without giving you any spoilers in case you haven't had a chance to see it yet since it was only released about 30 years ago. The scene goes something like this. Indiana Jones is on the quest for the Holy Grail, the cup supposedly used by Christ at the Last Supper. The Holy Grail not only would be an incredible artifact, archaeological find, but the Holy Grail is said to have healing powers for anyone who would drink from the Grail. Indiana Jones' quest for the Grail takes on another urgency because his father, Henry, played by Sean Connery, Henry has been shot and needs the healing powers of the grail. And so Indiana Jones finds his way to the temple where the grail is supposedly held. The temple is this cave kind of hewn into the side of this cliff. And he has to navigate through a lot of booby traps, right? A lot of people have died on the journey to try to find the grail. And now it's Indiana Jones' time to risk it all for the grail. And so he, he comes in one of the, the traps, he comes to the edge of a cliff face. And he looks around, and it's, it's, it's an endless ravine. It's bottomless. And hundreds of yards across is where the grail is supposed to be. And he gets out his journal, and he's sweaty, you know, Indiana Jones. He's sweaty, and he reads his journal. He who has valor, or something like that. He who has valor may cross. And he says, it's impossible. Nobody can jump that far. And he looks around, and he says it's a, it's a leap, it's a leap of faith. And so in, in the background, you know, the camera cuts to his father, Henry, Sean Connery dying, is laying on his back. And he says, you must believe, boy, you must believe. It's <laughs> my Sean Connery impersonation. What do, you, what do you think? You must believe. And so he cuts back to Indiana Jones. He says it's a leap of faith. 
And so, in the way that only Hollywood can do, right, it pans to Indiana Jones' foot. And it's overstated, and I'm in heels, but it's something like this. And he steps into the nothingness, but it's not nothingness at all. He lands on something solid, and he's so surprised. And the camera pans around, and you see that he's landed on a, a bridge hewn out of rock that he couldn't see. It had been camouflaged from his vantage point. The path of God, he calls it, a leap of faith. Well, this is the fourth of a four-part series called The Four Secrets to Life Abundant. If you haven't been here, let me recap. And even if you have been here, chances are you've slept since then. So in week one, we talked about the pathway to peace. I suggested if you banished worry, you would be on that pathway. In week two, we talked about the journey to joy. I suggested that if you could banish negativity, darkness, that you would be on the journey to joy. Last week, we talked about the conduit to contentment. I had to use alliteration for some reason. The conduit to contentment. I suggested if you could uh, uh, banish your attachment to material things. I'm calling it materialism. If you could banish materialism, you would be on the conduit to contentment. This week we're talking about trust. The trajectory to trust. What's that take? To trust God more. And before I go too much further, I want to say that I'm talking about trusting in God. Talk, trusting in people is complicated and, and it's a different conversation we'll have another day. This is specifically talking about trusting in God. How do we do that? Paul gives us some hints. He doesn't explicitly tell us in this passage, but I believe the passage points us in the right direction. Remember, he's writing to his favorite church, the church at Philippi. He's happy in this letter. He's uh, writing from prison, yet he's so joyful, and he's thanking them. We discover in this, at the end here, he's thanking them for a gift that had been sent to him. And the trust piece is implied. We learn in this part of the scripture that the church at Philippi is the only church out of all the churches Paul helped start. This was the only church that had given him support for his missionary journey. The only church. And so what's implied here, and why Philippi is the only church to have given to him at that point in time, and why we're talking about them today and their generosity, I believe it has to do with trust. First of all, the church trusted Paul with their gift, as well as Epaphroditus, the courier. The church trusted Paul. And second of all, Paul, in this passage, trust God. He suggests to the church at Philippi that God will take care of them. You have given generously. You, you gave something that you could have held on to, trusting in God, and God will provide for you, he says. God, Paul trusts in God. And, and the third part is that the church also trusts that God will provide for their needs. Otherwise, they couldn't have been generous in giving that gift to Paul. The only church that could muster up that kind of generosity. I've mentioned before my uh, occasional fascination with the show Hoarders. <laughs> you know that show, that show where it, it shows people who have just accumulated so much stuff, magazines or car parts, or uh, to most of us it looks like junk. To them, they're very attached to the items that end up crowding their homes, crowding out their lives. 
It's, it's kind of sad. Sometimes the show takes a bad turn where the city is going to condemn their house, and even worse, sometimes they lose their children because of the situation. That hoarding uh, has become recognized as a psychological uh, disorder. It made it into the most recent version of the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Manual for Psychologists and Psychiatrists, hoarding. We would, most of us agree that hoarding is socially unacceptable. But I want to offer the idea that there is a socially acceptable kind of hoarding. Did you know that 10% of Americans have storage units? I'm not going to ask for any confessions this morning. 10% of Americans have storage units because we can't fit all the junk that we have in our house. So we put in a storage unit, but true confession, I wouldn't want any of you to see my garage. <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> Socially acceptable hoarding. There's another kind of hoarding. Did you know that 400 Americans have more wealth than the bottom 150 million Americans? Now the problem is not to have it, but to hold on to it. If you remember in the book of Exodus, God gave the children of Israel as they were fleeing from Egypt, and they were in the desert for 40 years, God gave them manna. To have the manna was fine, but what would happen if they would hold on to the manna? It would sour, it would turn rotten, and they couldn't eat it. It's not the having, that's the problem, it's holding on to the things that we have that becomes problematic. Trust. Trust in God means that we can let go the things that we're holding on to because we trust God for our future. And we sing songs like, Great is thy faithfulness, to remind us that God has been faithful. And chances are God will be faithful. And thanks be to God for the church at Philippi that was willing to give of their gifts. And now 2,000 years later, they have secured their legacy in history because they were willing to give some away. It's really hard in our culture to do this. Jim Wallace, he's the editor of Sojourners magazine. Listen to what he says, why this may be difficult for us. He says, we live in one of the most self-centered cultures in history. Our economic system is the social rationalization of personal selfishness, self-fulfillment, and individual advancement have become our chief goals. The leading question of the times is, how can I be happy and satisfied? Not surprisingly, our self-centered culture has produced a self-centered religion. Preoccupation with self dominates the spirit of the age and shapes the character of religion. Now, if Wallace is right, and I suspect that he is, that means that I'm a product of that kind of culture and that kind of religion, and it means that you're a product of that kind of culture and that kind of religion. We are products of that culture and that kind of religion. Now, I can't change the culture, and I can have very little impact on a religion that has over, over 2 billion adherents, but you know what I can change? I can change me. I can change me, and you can change you. And we can and we must 
We must let go of that which we hold on to out of self-centered fear in order to claim the freedom that comes with trusting God for our future. I think that's the key. The little kid at the pool in the summertime, standing on the edge of the pool, you've seen this probably play out more than once in your life. The little kid, maybe you were this kid, little kid at the edge of the pool, so terrified to jump into mommy's arms or daddy's arms, right? Just terrified to let go of the side of the pool there. But when they finally muster the courage to jump and they land in the loving arms of their parents, then it opens up a whole world of summer fun, doesn't it? And they're just jumping over and over. This has played out in my pool over the past year or so. Jumping over and over and over again. And Indiana Jones taking that great leap of faith into the unknown opened up the opportunity to have the Holy Grail. I can change me and you can change you. And it's not that it requires major overhauls to our life, but, but small changes Simple changes. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust. Without trust, we are anxious and afraid, aren't we? Without trust, we attach ourselves to stuff of this life and the stuff begins to own us instead of the other way around. Without trust, we lack the belief that everything's going to be okay and that's the recipe for depression and anxiety. But with trust, we can step boldly into our future even when the path is unclear. With trust, we can rest. We can relax, let go of our many compulsions. With trust, we can give more fully of ourselves, and we can more fully support others who are doing good work in this world. We can secure our legacy, just like the Apostle Paul did, and just like the church at Philippi did with their gift to him. Trust. During this series, I've tried to give you something practical to do with every lesson. Pathway to peace Banish worry, the pathway to peace. To banish negativity on the journey to joy. To banish materialism on the conduit to contentment. And today, on the trajectory to trust, to banish self-centeredness. So the way that I want you to live this out practically this week is do one thing this week that's selfless. One act this week to help you banish self-centeredness. Now, this isn't like, you know, cleaning out your closet and, and whatever, given to Salvation Army. This is asking for a little bit of radical generosity of you giving of something that you're kind of attached to, to something that matters to you. It could be material or it even could be emotional if you're holding on, if you're emotionally unavailable, right? Whatever it is that you're holding on to, give selflessly this week. And I believe you'll be on the trajectory to trusting God more fully.
My hope this series with this Four Secrets to Life Abundant is that you can claim just a little bit more of that life that Jesus came to offer us. Life abundant and free, peace and joy, contentment and trust. And this is one way, this giving up of something you treasure as an act of radical generosity and selflessness. And my hope is that you will be able to claim that life abundant and free. My friends, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but what? To trust and obey. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.